Hello and welcome to the Soundstage Audiophile Podcast. In this second season of the show, host Jordan Guth is joined by a new guest each episode who knows something about hi-fi that Jordan doesn't. And who knows, while he's learning about all of this, you might learn something too. So with no further ado, here's Jordan and this week's guest. Hello and welcome to the Soundstage Audiophile Podcast. Today we have Michael Hedges and Michael Johnson with us from Monitor Audio. Michael Hedges is the technical director and Michael Johnson is the global marketing director at Monitor Audio. So welcome, gentlemen. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hi, thanks for having us. So one of the interesting things for me with all the different people that I've met in Hi-Fi is to hear a little bit about how it kind of came to be that they are where they are. So maybe we'll start with Michael Johnson. Like, how did you get into marketing Hi-Fi? Like, how does that happen? I can tell you exactly how that happened, Jordan. Yeah. So I've been playing drums in bands all my life. And I, I am a huge muso. I, I really love to play. I love to listen. When I left university after doing a communications and marketing degree, um, I saw a job advertised for a company called Riga Research. You might recognize Riga Research. They make beautiful turntables and electronics and loudspeakers. And I was very lucky enough um, to get the job. And um, I was there for a number of years, really enjoyed my time there. And as always, once you start to get into an industry, other opportunities arise. And um, actually after Riga, I had my first spell at Monitor Audio. Um, And I was there for six years, Um, learned an awful lot, and then went on to KEF for 11 years and uh, had a great time traveling the world with KEF and working abroad and it was fantastic. And, um, well, you know, time moves on and um, another opportunity arose back at Monitor Audio Group now. So the, the, the Monitor Audio has expanded into a group of brands, which includes Roxanne and Block, the Hi-Fi racks, uh, Roxanne Electronics, I should say. And, um, yeah, I'm now overseeing the marketing for the group. So it's, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, the business has changed significantly from when I was first there. And, um, you know, it, it's a lovely environment to be part of, but I'm sure we can get to that later on. But yes, that's how I got into it. And I've stayed ever since. So coming up to 22 years now in the industry. So I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and you still play drums? You're still a musician on the side? <laughs> I do. Yeah, probably not very well, but yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm a huge metal head. People are always amazed when I say that because I don't look like I'm a big metaler, but I love heavy metal. <laughs> that is amazing because I, uh, I listened to much more metal when I was a little bit younger and, and punk and all that. And the one time that I got to put Slayer on on a set of really nice speakers was uh, Lawrence Dickey at um, oh. <laughs> at Vivid Audio. And I was yeah. like, this is the, the best set of speakers I've ever listened to Slayer on by far. Uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, Michael Hedges, how did you get into audio? Like, was this uh, a passion? Where did this originally come from? Yes, this goes right back. So, I mean, growing up as a as a small kid, my dad was always into hi-fi, so always playing with music. Uh, my dad studied electronics and and went into a career in electronics and uh, later into quality control. But he built his own amplifiers when he was young, and so we had stuff in the house. We had lots of electronics, lots of speakers, and he was always passionate about it. So as we grew up, he, he you know his passion changed a little bit and a few of his friends actually started building loudspeakers when i was about 10. so when i was 14 
Um, uh, we spent a summer building a set of loudspeakers using ATC drive units, morale tweeters in the back garden. And that was kind of my first introduction to actually being able to like change the sound of something or be part of the creative process or the engineering process of building loudspeakers. I just sort of something twigged and I sort of, you know, I'd grown up in this household, quite a technical household, had this opportunity to build a pair of DIY loudspeakers, could see all the different things, all the crossovers, everything we did uh, during that project. And just thought, you know what, I want to go into a career in doing something like this. And my initial thought was electronics. I want to design amplifiers. And uh, I, I sort of cast around when I came to looking to university about, well, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And I looked for sort of analog electronics courses, which are few and far between, really. You know, everyone was focusing on, on digital things. And in the end, I don't know how it happened. I stumbled across a Salford University acoustics course and thought, actually, that sounds quite good. And I didn't really know at the time that I could really get into a career in designing loudspeakers. I just thought, I want to know more about how these things work. Um, right. So I went there, studied, and I was lucky enough uh, <clears throat> to be offered to do a placement course at Monitor Audio. So oh, I did no a year, year in industry at Monitor Audio. Um, and, and that's where the, then it sort of clicked the next stage of, okay, wow. So I've, I've, I've had this, I've been passionate about this for a long time. And now actually this is possible to do it as a job. Okay. So uh, yeah. I'm lucky enough to then be invited back after I finished my course to monitor audio and uh, it all started from there really. But yeah, I've been designing, designing loudspeakers, I suppose, since I was about 13 or 14 in some way or other. Oh, that's amazing. Now those original loudspeakers that you, you built over the summer, do you happen to still have them? Ooh, so a few years ago, my parents were doing some decoration. I had to get rid of the boxes, but I had kept the drive units. Oh, okay. So there it's you a little go. Bit of a little bit of a strange one, but they were massive. They were 15-inch ATC base drivers. I mean, the cabinets were like nearly a meter deep, 1.4 meters tall. They were huge things. Yeah, not an easy thing <laughs> to kind of store in the, the living room or whatever if you're not using no, them. No, my mum is very... Uh, She's very good with that type of stuff, but I think that was pushing the boundaries of like keeping them as well as everything else. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like it would be so interesting to like um, measure those speakers versus measuring your the newest, let's say hyphen, and then comparing them and seeing kind of uh, if there's any similarities at all or if it, it's kind of a, a leaps and bounds different. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, soundstage myself included, just visited Monitor Audio, uh, I would say a few months ago. And one of the things that I was really seeing is that Monitor Audio has a, a fairly decent sized team that all builds the, the technology. And what I find fascinating is how close everyone is in proximity. You're, you're essentially all under the same building now and how tightly you all work together. And, um, there's also Charles on the industrial design team, uh, and I know he's a big part of it. And I know there's a lot of engineers and a lot of other folks that, that kind of contribute to to monitor audio. And I, I just kind of wanted to set that stage before I get into asking something like, how did designing and coming up with the Concept 50, which evolved into Hyphen, the new flagship speaker, how did that tight knit group come together? Or is that the first time that they came together in that way? Or is this like a, um, the, the status quo for how you work on projects and work on, on new, um, products at monitor audio? Yeah. I mean, in terms of let's start at the beginning, I suppose, uh, how did it come about 
start with. For, yeah. So for many, many years, uh, we've been discussing should monitor audio do sort of that more statement loudspeaker, that higher end, and push push up in terms of the price point we provide to. And uh, I think going back as far as maybe 2010, I did sketches of what a, loud, what a loudspeaker like that could look like. So it's been something that's been on the back burner for a while. But it around sort of, I suppose, probably 2018 or so, we started really talking about seriously doing it. And um, once we got into the phase of actually kicking the project off and really starting to think about it, myself and Charles sat down and we just thought, you know, what we've got to do is unlock some doors. What we don't want to do is just do something that's the a bigger version of what we currently do. We want to do something totally different and we want to see where we can go with this. And so I spent a little bit of time sitting down and actually going through the latest research on um, how speakers interact with rooms um, and what the best way of um, creating good sound stages. And I thought, well, I've got a few ideas about how we can work up, build on those steps that have been done and actually design a product around it. And I sat down with Charles and said, look, I think we need to, to arrange the drive units in these different ways. And within each of these different ways, you can do it in A, B, C, D different way again. And Charles sort of looked at these sort of this matrix of different ways of laying out drive units to achieve a certain goal and, and sort of took a, a designer's guide on it and, and, and found a path that would come up with something that was both aesthetically beautiful and had a, a true performance core to it, a true reason for being like that. Um, and I think that was, we, we probably did that inside of about 45 minutes to an hour in the end. That first, and we oh, have wow. on the piece of paper at the end a sketch of something that looks resemblant of where we landed, but it didn't have have, have all the aesthetic details in it and all of the other bits. It, it was just um, a basic sketch of, a, of an arrangement of drive units and a size and a form. Um, but I think sometimes when you when you've been thinking about things for a long, long time, and then you get that opportunity to actually write it down. I think sometimes that, that creative process has already happened in the past and you're just pouring it out. And I think both yeah. me and Charles have been doing that for a while and we just got that opportunity to pour it out onto a piece of paper. And, you know, two great minds, I suppose, come together and you come up with something, hopefully, that's that people gel with. And yeah. I think, I, sorry, go from. I was going to say, and I think actually the benefit of everyone being under the same roof now, Jordan, to your point, is that... Um, once the guys had got this vision together, you know, and they'd got this sort of sketched out sort of concept 50, um, to be able to sort of deploy the different elements of that design into, you know, the, the design team, the acoustics team, and then, you know, marketing uh, as well. It, it was very straightforward because, you know, indeed we are all, you know, there under one roof. We're very close. So the, the ability to be relatively agile with thoughts and feedback and, you know, additional trials on different things, it all becomes actually very, very quick and easy. Um, so there's a real benefit, I think, for us all being there together uh, and mucking in. And I think that the, the Concept 50 actually, I think, Michael, am I right? It was about four years, wasn't it, from sort of start to mm -hmm. finish? pretty much from the, yeah. the concept 50 into hyphen and, and official sort of market launch. Um, and yeah, you know, for such a, yeah. And for such a significant kind of product, that's a relatively fast turnaround. So it was a really, um, towards the end. And that's the bit that obviously, you know, I'm much more involved in, um, it, it becomes actually really exciting because you get some real momentum. And I think as there's such a mass of people within our department, um, 
you know, there's a there's a lovely sense of of sort of things happening and creation and doing and uh, you know there's a lot of enthusiasm that you can sort of pull down on so it, I think hyphen not only and I'm sure we'll go into more detail not only is it sort of like a physically unique kind of proposition actually I think a lot of that is because of the inputs from various different members of the team and all having that sort of melting pot of kind of ideas and creativity and i think the end results really speak for themselves just, just talking about yeah, your yeah. your sort of second part of that um where you're talking about you know is this a new way of working well we've been working uh, monitor audio has had um you know industrial design in-house for a long long time so that's how we work we work as an integrated acoustics and industrial design team i think where the changes is, is just moving the offices around uh, and in being that even more closely coupled now we're all in the same space rather than being yeah. across two different buildings okay on the same site but but that little uh, bit of change uh, i think the other thing is you know okay me and charles talk about sort of our creative ideas but really there's so many things in there from so many other people in our teams we've got a great team of acoustic engineers a great team of uh, industrial designers and they've all poured, poured their hearts and soul into a product and um you know there's there's many things that both me and Charles can't take credit for in there as well, and yeah. you know having that team to support you is super important, super important. Yeah, it was really cool being in kind of the center of the the monitor audio office and, and having some of the engineers walk over and talk to the industrial designers about I, I don't even remember what it was I think it was like the baffle or something like that and then and then them going back and forth and like meeting at each other's desks and having these like little conversations. And we're filming, we're, we're kind of not paying attention to this, but that, that interaction is not something that, um, that I, that I often see when I go to a lot of these different, uh, audio companies. So I, I think that is something special. Is that translating into other products as well? Like it, it's not just the flagship product that, that, that interaction happens with. It happens with the, the platinum line, the silver line, all the other stuff, is that correct? Or is there, is there products that are kind of more owned by one department as opposed to the other? No, all our products go through the same process. I think as we grow and learn, that process develops. But whether it's a bronze speaker or a hyphen speaker, we do exactly the same stuff on it. The costs are different. The, the boundaries are different. The customer's different. But the processes we go through as a team uh, are almost identical. The amount of time we spend optimizing it the amount of time we spend developing the concept, the amount of time we work on the aesthetics, who the end customer is, the amount of time we spend on the marketing is all the same. So it's it, we really have a pipeline that we follow for, for nearly everything we do. Is the sound of the Concept 50 and translating that into the hyphen, does it have a monitor audio sound, uh, like a, a sonic uh, signature that, that is like telltale monitor audio? Or is it, kind of uh, a clean slate, like a new sound, something that that uh, people might not uh, kind of associate with monitor audio right off the bat. Well, our intention is that it is a monitor audio loudspeaker. So I don't feel like I've made any uh, changes in the way we've tuned it from uh, where we were. I think as with any company, we're kind of on a journey with, with some of this stuff. You refine technology and you eke out more performance and that might change how you view something sometimes, but we're we're really making it, trying to make it a monitor audio loudspeaker. And in that sense, we've got a transparent design philosophy that we we use to tie everything together. And, and what we're really aiming for there is to sort of develop on the artistic intent 
or the artist's intent, and and make sure that we are delivering experiences to the customer and that they really get excited about their music. And when they listen to music on a module audio loudspeaker, it really highlights something to them and gives them an emotional connection. I think we're just trying to do the same thing with Hyphen that we do with, say, a bronze or a silver or a gold loudspeaker. It's nothing nothing different there. Uh, what Hyphen does do is give you a new focus on it. So, you know, the fo- one of the things we're trying to do with Hyphen is improve soundstage. And so we haven't pulled the Hyphen technology yet into other loudspeakers, so you may not get some of that soundstage stuff in those speakers yet. Um, but, you know, that's that's about where we go as a company, as a business, as we move forward. I think to add to that as well, there are some things that, you know, we have throughout all of our ranges and there's, there's, there's a fair bit of sort of trickle down technology. And as Michael sort of alluded to, as we develop as an organization and as the R and D team sort of do their innovative research on different materials to eke out that sort of performance elements of the loudspeaker, there are some materials and some technologies that we're very well known for as a brand um so the use of sort of metal cone driver technology we've been doing and delivering sort of metal cone drive units for over you know four decades so i guess there there are elements of continuity with within the technologies that the 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 guys are looking at particularly metal cone drive unit technology that uh, i guess will provide a a sort of sound signature, um, for want of a better expression. But there are other things, more tangible things like, you know, our cabinets, you know, mon- again, monitor audio um, for five decades, you know, the, the length of its time has uh, has been recognised for the quality of its craftsmanship and therefore it, it sort of says something about the, the, the speakers and the, the products themselves and it and it gets attached to your your your, your your brand pedigree, if you will. Um, So there are things that carry across all of our speaker ranges that you could say, well, maybe does that provide a house sound or a house look? But these are just really good fundamental pieces of engineering that the team do. And we just, you know, want to make sure that we're delivering the best possible loudspeakers um, and electronics and things like that. So a lot of that is through our dogged determination to con- to be really consistent with what we're delivering so there aren't massive ups and downs of quality you know it's it's not acceptable to us so yeah um i, I know that's a long-winded way of yeah. answering the question on top of michael's answer but i think that there, there is absolutely our, our our vision and our aim is any end customer walking into a store would be able to listen to a master audio speaker and go that's a monitor audio speaker and to and to look at it and go yes that's the quality the you know that that's a monitor audio speaker compared to the competition absolutely i think one of the other really cool things that i took away from from visiting monitor audio is that there is a lot of really cool new technology and uh, new processes that were were kind of built uh in creating uh i'm going to say the hyphen because i i making a product one-off like the concept 50 or in small quantities that might be easy enough but then taking that and making consistently high quality speakers at a larger scale is quite challenging what is the most kind of exciting technology uh, or design element or or piece of the hyphen for you gentlemen what what kind of gets you excited the most about that that uh, speaker I think the key standout piece of 
technology for me actually um i think is the emirate i think it's really an interesting piece of acoustic engineering and design the way that industrial design and how they've brought it all the the individual drive units there's uh six two-inch uh, mid-frequency drivers around uh, a ribbon transducer um, that we have sort of centrally located within that. And they're as tight as they can be. Um, and then that's sort of beautifully dressed up in this really amazing floating sort of bridge that, uh, that just sort of is held on with 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 four screws over the entire uh, two cabinets that we have for, for hyphen. And it's just, it's just really cleverly done. Like that, that there's no visible screw fixings or anything like that and this whole driver array you know of seven little speakers kind of just sits right in front of four enormous force cancelled bass drivers and i just think it's a really clever way of reproducing sound but not only that it just creates a really striking visual identity for the product and so for me like to look at them they 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 really are um significant in terms of their uniqueness and um there's just a quality there that that's undeniable like when you when you sit down in front of them and then the listening just takes it to another level yeah so for me it's 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 the very clever emory and mr hedges what is it for you i'm curious yeah i mean i'd say key to the whole design is the emory as well but i mean just to talk about something else uh, the force cancel base drive arrangement uh well we've basically point the drivers in at each other has a number of advantages which i don't think we all fully you know we wanted to attain something but we didn't necessarily know it was all going to work when we very first started uh, pulling this stuff together it takes quite a lot of prototype samples and uh, simulations actually to make sure that what you're sort of imagining uh, is really going to work well and uh, just you can't just take a cabinet and split it in half, make two cabinets, point the base drivers at each other, and, and it'll work. It, it just it doesn't work like that. Yeah. There's quite a lot of underlying technologies, the exact distance apart of those two base drivers, and exactly how we deal with their response in the crossover is, is key to having how they work, how they perform, and how the overall system comes together. But within that, uh, I think what, what really came together in the design is the fact that the base drivers are actually uh, mechanically bolted together uh, as a module first. So those base drivers become this module, two base drivers facing each other, uh, bolted together in a very stiff uh, mechanism. And the force cancelling element has a sort of high frequency cutoff, which is only as good as how well you clamp the two motor units together, the two magnets, uh, which is where the force is effectively generated from. And so we created these very uh, these custom cast aluminium chassis with the uh, two aluminium um, bridge legs that bolt the two drive units together creating this array. But then once you've got those modules, we take these two cabinets and sort of clad them on either side. And the two cabinets are just held together by four bolts through those base drivers. So this whole system just sort of magically sort of just slots together with four base drive, four bolts. And I think that wasn't something we necessarily, when we first sat down, me and Charles, and we designed the system, we didn't think, oh, that's how it's going to go together. Yeah. That, that came out of, uh, you know, uh, our engineer engineering team is sitting down and thinking about how can we make this simple how can we make this elegant and uh, is there anything we can do to uh, improve its performance as we think about how all that engineering goes together i think they just pulled it off it, it's a really um really interesting uh, way of doing it and i think one thing that probably people don't get from looking at the pictures of hyphen is that if you take the mra off the speaker uh, the speaker is structurally 
together. So the MRA is just a floating element that's got nothing to yeah. do with the structure of holding the two cabinets together. Um, and I suppose until you actually see maybe a, uh, one of the, the images of a, of a, a hyphen without the MRA on it, and you realize actually it's only those base drivers that are, the, that are the only thing connecting the two cabinets. There's no cables going between them. There's no visible elements. There's just these two base drivers or four base drivers, two base driver modules holding all of that together. And the system sits there in this solid manner um, and is structurally incredibly strong because of it. We're going to take a quick little break and uh, we'll jump back in. I have some more questions on the hyphen design and, and kind of what I thought was was some of the cool little details of it. Um, and then we can kind of move on and, and talk about uh, the, the customers and the reception and all that other fun stuff. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. Um, we're here with the two Michaels, Michael Johnson and Michael Hedges from Monitor Audio. Uh, just before the break, we were talking about some of the, the design elements and the technology uh, that is in the hyphen. And when we were filming this, so I'm on the, the video team with Soundstage and, and we kind of go to these different companies and we film the, the videos that you see online. Um, it was actually quite difficult to film the array of uh, speakers, uh, the, the array of mid-range uh, drivers, because of how tight the tolerances were of the six drive units and the uh, the ribbon tweeter. And I, I think it's fascinating because I remember talking to Michael Hedges and I believe Charles about it, and the, the back and forth about um, the design for how it's going to look and how it's going to operate and how it can get put together, but then also um, the the acoustical standard that that need to be reached. So, Michael Hedges, tell me a little bit about this. Like, how were you able to get the tolerances so close in a structure? It all stays together. It sounds beautiful. I'm very curious to kind of hear some of the insights behind that. I think, I mean, fundamentally, by challenging an awesome engineering team, but. Um, it didn't. It didn't happen straight away. So, effectively, to make a coaxial drive unit like that work properly, you've got a, a crossover point. Let's say about three kilohertz, where you're going. To, you're going from your mid-range into your tweeter. At that point, your tweeter is much smaller than your mid-range driver, so it has a very wide directivity, and that means that you basically need to make sure your mid-range driver's surface area, radiating area, is much is as small as it possibly can be to make sure it's as it has as wide a directivity as possible to match the tweeter. So you start off with this design challenge of the perfect crossover integration between the mid-range and, and tweeter requires the smallest mid-range driver you can make. But that also has issues and, you know, you want a larger mid-range driver so it can go lower in frequency. There are other design requirements why you wouldn't just always have a really small mid-range driver. Um, but you can see in our arrangement where we said, hey, we want to break our mid-range cone up into lots of small cones, lots of small drive units, and we want to spread them around the tweeter. 
they started off with um, actually started off with four mid-range drivers around that, and, and the arrangement of four mid-range drivers has a much larger um, overall diameter. So we split that down into six quite early on in the design, and six fits really nicely in a little circle around the tweeter. Yeah. But they designed it with um, with minimalist chassis, and um, when by the time you put a tweeter in the middle, and the tweeter's got all sorts of extra magnet arrangements around it, you can't get the mid-range drivers that close to to the whole thing. So you end up with this this circle of six drive units that's probably 150 percent bigger than it currently is. And and we looked at it as a team, and we're like, well, this isn't meeting the acoustic requirements. We just can't do this design if it stays like this. So how are we going to get it smaller? Yeah. So one of the engineers went away and started looking at the MPD tweeter and trying to make the MPD tweeter more compact. Another of the engineers went away and looked at the mid-range driver, and how do we get, effectively get rid of the chassis? How do we get the chassis as small as possible? And um, our mechanical engineering um team went away and sort of looked at, well, how can we get, arrange all these drive units together so that, that they're as compact as possible? So we we're looking at all the different aspects and, and they came back um, with a design that um, was much closer to where we are today, but still was too big. And I just, I just challenged them and said, look, guys, if we're going to make this work, it's got to be smaller. And, and they went away for another two weeks and they came back with where we are now. So... Uh, and, and really, the, how we how we got to where we are is that they've removed the traditional thinking about how you mount drive units and how you mechanically arrange things was all thrown out the window in that process. They started from scratch with um, very bespoke chassis designs for the mid-range drivers, a totally unique way of doing the the um, MPD tweeter compared to where we were with the um, the second generation platinum tweeter. Because all of this development happened during the development of both hyphen, but also the third generation platinum as well. Yeah. Um, and and they just looked at, at, at how can we make this as small as possible and just kept going back back on it and iterating on that design time and time and time again. I think we were about four or five times iterating through, getting smaller and smaller and smaller each time. And you sort of go between different designs. You might only make it three or four mil smaller each time. But by the time you've done that, you've come down to saying being 200 mil wide down to 150 mil wide, down to 135 mil wide. And it, it sort of, you know, it shrinks. Um, which is really great. Uh, the other thing we found that when we started measuring this this sort of unique array of six mid-range drivers is it actually acoustically acts to be slightly smaller than a drive unit of the equivalent size. And you can kind of oh. sort of attach that. So a, a, a circular drive unit has a lot of surface area around the outside edge just yeah. because it's a circle and that's where most of the surface area is. But when you actually go for six small circles, there's a lot less surface area at the outer diameter. Most of the surface area is through the middle of the six cones. And so acoustically, it acts to be that little bit smaller than what it looks like it is, which is really nice benefit again, um, and really helps the whole design perform. Interesting. Now, in, when I'm when we're talking tolerances, like just because people might not have a, a visual sense of this, it is so tight in there that, to my understanding, the actual individual mid-range drivers need to be organized in a certain way, and the order of operations needs to have the tweeter in place before the, the mid-range drivers can even be like seated. Uh, yes, Is that it's, correct? It's, yeah, it's the other way around. So we've okay. first laid down a, a machine baffle. Yeah, yeah. We first lay down a machined baffle on the bench, and then we take the six mid-range drivers, and each one has a... It's one mid-range design, yep. but through the very clever sort of mechanical engineering, there's a, a, a number of sections out of the mid-range that rotationally lock so every 
each one of the six mid-range drivers is a slightly different rotation in its hole. And by the time you actually uh, do that rotation and you lock them all in the right place, there's a space that's perfectly the size of the tweeter for the tweeter to drop on the back. Now, what's really clever there is the tweeter actually sits kind of in the mid-range drive units. So there are yeah. sections out of the chassis in exactly the right places for this tweeter to slot in to this perfect hole. And you can't take a mid-range driver out before you take the tweeter out. So the whole thing's interlocked. Um, and then we basically take that whole design and we clamp it with a, an aluminium plate from the rear or with um, silicon gasketing around it to isolate the mid-range drive units. Uh, and it's that sort of clamping process that means we don't have to have any screws anywhere. So yeah. there's no extra space on any of the mid-range drivers for mounting um, in terms of diameter. And there's no extra space on the tweeter either for any diameter-based sort of mounting. Everything's sandwiched between these two plates. Yeah, that it's absolutely fascinating. And like when you look at that, it's not only visually striking, but like from an engineering perspective, it's that's a huge project in and of mm. itself just to get that right. So I, I think that's an incredible. Um, I, I could go on about the technology of this thing because it's so cool. Even the fact that there's no real exposed screws, like there's little magnet covers that go over the the um, the, the screws and, and the regulatory information's in there. So you don't have to look at it from any angles if it's in the center of your room. All the little details are, are absolutely um, fantastic. Um, Michael Johnson, how has the reception been, uh, both from the media, but then also from, from customer feedback? Like, do people appreciate this stuff? Uh, yeah. So, the, the, I mean, the launch was, was great. I mean, it, I, I think, obviously, people knew of, of Concept50. They, they knew something was coming. Um, we, we launched Hyphen pretty much. 12 months to the date that we showed Concept 50 um, at, at the Munich High End Show in Germany. And whilst the, the, the visual appearance of the product was, was very similar, um, the guys within that 12-month period really went back to the drawing board to ensure that everything could be done um, at sort of a manufacturing level. Uh, and it was a great achievement on their part. The... The reception of Hyphen then with, with media has been phenomenal. You know, I mean, as we've sort of touched on, the the unique design, physical design of the product, I think, gets a lot of people talking in the first instance. Um, it's not a particularly large uh, statement loudspeaker. Often a statement loudspeaker is literally like over two meters tall and it weighs the, as much as a bus and, yeah. you know, it's as big as a bus in many cases. You know, it's, it, this is, this is kind of a, a, a more considered approach to it. It's, it, it's more room friendly. And again, that's part of, you know, our transparent design philosophy. It's the way we think about doing things. It's, it's being considerate, it's delivering high fidelity sound, but, you know, within a really considered kind of, um, you know, proposition that, that works for people. Um, so all of those things combined kind of made it this really interesting kind of uh, product to talk about. So media coverage has been phenomenal. End customer um, excitement has been right up there at the top of the scale. You know, it's been really, really lovely. Some of the, you know, the customer feedback that we've seen through our social channels and, you know, being DM directly and, you know, it's just really fantastic. And we're, we're, we're in a fortunate position that we've just 
had the first showing in the US of Hyphen. Um, at the audio, am I allowed to say that? At the audio advice um, yeah. show that's just happened, we've got Ascot, which is a, the, the UK sort of hi-fi um, show um, that's coming at the end of um, September, and that's the first UK showing of it. So it's whilst it's it, it it's been out there people haven't had a good opportunity to kind of like listen and get their hands on it. So we're really excited that we now started to do exhibitions, you know, product is handmade. That's the other thing that we haven't mentioned. The, the hyphen speakers are handmade in Rayleigh, um, yeah. in Essex in the UK, which is where monitor audio HQ is based. Uh, we have a small team of technicians doing that. Um, so it's a, it's a slow laborious task, but they're experts in doing it now. And, um, you know, each one is lovingly crafted by a couple of guys and, um, you know, they're then boxed up and they go out to customers. We've, we've, I think exceeded our expectations of how many we would have been making for the first forecast. So we're, we're, we're doing very, very well with them. And, you know, wherever they land, whether it's Taiwan or South Korea or the US or, or, or Belgium or Germany, or, you know, a European country, um, people are blown away by their, their, their acoustic performance and the physicality of the product. And, you know, we always intended it to be a statement for the brand and a, a flagship sort of a, a flag in the sand moment. Um, but the reality is it, it really has achieved that, you know, yeah. it, it really is something special for us as a, as a brand. And the nice thing is Jordan is that the same, you know, the team behind that product are the team behind all of our products. And, you know, we, we've got really exciting things coming. You know, we have a fantastic roadmap. We we talk five years, ten years in advance, so we know approximately what's coming down the road. And it's it, like this is just the beginning. It's not the end. You know, and yeah. it might have been the bookend to our fiftieth anniversary for Monitor Audio, but actually, what it is is the beginning of everything else that's got to come. And the stuff that's coming down the road is equally as fascinating and as exciting. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all of that good stuff, um, that we're, we're, we're super excited about and that's now part of our portfolio and it's in our, you know, it's, it's our ammunition to build even more exciting products moving forward. So we're, we're super, we're super excited about it. And, and that kind of leads into the, the question that I, I was thinking about and you already answered it, which is with the success of the hyphen and with the, the reception of it. Um, is there products in the, the, I'm going to say the foreseeable future that may share some of that technology that may share some of that learning? I don't know if you can answer that. Maybe you can't, maybe it's behind wraps and maybe you want a little bit more time to, to refine, but the easy answer is of, of course there will be, you know, there, there's, there's so many interesting sort of technological in innovations within hyphen that we'd be daft not to want to try to extrapolate bits and pieces here and there and see if we can get that into a you know a bronze silver or gold speaker you know why not um you know and that's the exciting thing so absolutely uh the answer is yes but what that looks like i, I can't possibly tell you <laughs> fair enough when it comes fair to enough. the m array you know we designed that with a like no cost attitude so actually making it 
cheaper to go into a lower range is incredibly difficult and is almost its own research project in its own right and probably as much work as starting from scratch um it the, to, to achieve what we achieved but to be able to say put that into a silver or a gold would would be an incredible amount of work and it's something that we're going to start looking at really soon not in terms of putting it in those models but in terms of how do we take what we've got in mra and and bring it down but I, I wouldn't, I, I would say that is one heck of a challenge, you know, and, and, and I'm up for it, but you know, it might take a while. <laughs> I, I can even imagine. You're very excited about this sort of stuff. You can see how we start influencing what our products look yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can even imagine taking uh, a technology that and scaling it down is probably the way with the existing tolerances, like, Making that smaller seems like a an astronomical feat. So, may, maybe making it bigger, maybe a, a larger than hyphen hyphen. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so, in kind of closing this up, uh, I know you gentlemen, it, it's late for you in the day. Actually, um, you're both uh, based in Raleigh with uh, with uh, the Monitor Audio headquarters. I like to always ask uh, kind of a, a similar question to each guest that comes on, getting to the root of why people get into hi-fi, why they care, which is what do you folks listen to when it's not work-related, when you're trying to relax or, or just kind of the daily soundtrack to your life in terms of audio? Um Michael Johnson, you mentioned a little bit of metal and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's still the, the same answer, but I'm, I'm curious to hear from both of you. What is the soundtrack to your life? I'll let Michael go first and then I'll answer. <laughs> um, I mean, recently I'm probably, in terms of music, I listen to a lot of music at work, obviously. And a lot of that music yeah. tends to be test tracks. Um, what's interesting about test tracks is that I, fundamentally I like all genres and what what I like, good music to me is well-musicianed music and uh, music that has been curated really well. I'm still quite into a long album as well. I'm probably unusual like that. Um, But more recently, I've twisted a little bit and I actually, in my own time, I I probably watch a lot more films nowadays. Um, I've got a home cinema here that I've been building for a while and I think I, I don't get an opportunity with young children to, to just put music on like you used to, you know, with your stereo loudspeakers in the lounge, you get a chance to sit down and really engage with some music. They're always sort of running around crazy. But in an evening, uh, I get the opportunity to sit down and watch a film after the kids have gone to bed. And I think that that's become a bit more of a relaxing thing for me recently. Um, but yeah, you know, really good musicianship. So I'll, I'll kind of listen to anything as long as it's really well played. Um, I'm funny enough you've got two Michaels on the show today we've both actually played drums as well so um, we've got a few more things in common so again you know if it's got good drums on it I'm I'm there (laughs) and Michael Johnson well you know I did allude to it slightly earlier and I won't make any apology for it I'm a huge metalhead so um, even even when I'm relaxing I have to (laughs) listen to some metal I I like all sorts of music but really my go-to you know when I'm out of work relaxing kicking back driving the car whatever it might be um it's van halen and judas priest oh, yeah. my two favorite bands i mean both guitar driven great musicianship the pomp and ceremony of that type of live experience as well 
I mean, nothing better, really. It gets you going, you know, I love it. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate the time. And I look forward to uh, seeing both of you in the future and in, in kind of what Monitor Audio brings to the market next. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for having us on. And uh, yeah, have a good one. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you very Take much, care, Jordan. Guys. Have a good one.